Thank you for tuning in to the Emerge Church Tallahassee podcast. We exist to help people follow Jesus so they can live out God's plans for their lives. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the message from Sunday. Excited about today. 12 years as a church is pretty exciting. And um, yeah, there's so much that I want to say, but I got to save time for my pastor today to say some things. I'll say a bunch of stuff next Sunday. And so I hope you'll come back for that. Today, we get the honor and the privilege to to have my pastor here and uh, and his wife, Miss Vanessa, that is here with us today, uh, all the way back from Cajun country, back in Louisiana. Yeah. And the one thing that I know is that to, to do church, to start this church, it takes people. And, and Cynthia and I get a lot of credit, but there's, there's people behind the people. And um, Scott and Vanessa have been the people behind us and for us and with us, cheering us on for years and years, even before we started the church. And uh, Scott saw something in us and believed that we could do it. And uh, here we are, Scott, 12 years later, celebrating what God, you were right, man. <laughs> You're right. And, and so I, I, you know, we wanted to invite him to come today and speak a word. And, and I want to say this, um, Scott doesn't come as a guest speaker to this church because this is family. This, this is family to us. And, and there's an anointing on his life that Cynthia and I, we get the benefit of walking under. And, and you as a church, you get the benefit of, of receiving that as well. And, and Scott's got a word that he's going to share with us today, 12-year anniversary at Emerge Church. I want you guys to welcome my pastor, Scott Bledsoe. Thank you so much. Come on, give Jesus a hand. Thank you, sir. Come on, how about that amazing worship this morning, huh? Come on, give it up for worship team. Well, good morning. My name is Scott Bledsoe, and like Wade said, we I'm actually in my 26th year of pastoring the church that my father started 52 years ago in Gonzales, Louisiana, the jambalaya capital of the world. Come on, anybody in here have, have eaten some jambalaya? You will again once, once Jimmy and Carol get back on the road. You'll probably eat some more. That's Wade and Cynthia's mother and father that are part of our church. Hey, I need to get something off my chest right off the beginning. And just, I want to tell you guys this from the bottom of my heart. I thought you guys got robbed in the football playoff. So. Hey, look, in 25 years, you learn a thing or two about how to win a crowd over. You learn a couple of things. But really, no, I, I uh, uh, thanks, Wade and Cynthia. I, I, I want to tell a story um, that will lead into what I want to talk to you about. But I really feel like God's given me something to impart to you today. Um, and, and I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm so glad to be here. Every time I come, I'm encouraged. And um, I'm going to talk to you today about winning the battle in your mind. Winning the battle in your mind. And I want to pray, and then we're going to jump into 
some stories, and we're going to jump into God's Word. And I believe that the Lord wants to speak something to you today because, um, you know, your thought life determines who you are. I'll, I'll talk about all of this. Um, it's not your education. It's not your family of origin. It's not your height or weight or IQ, all this stuff. It's your thought life determines who you are and where you go. And scientists are starting to find this out. And so here's what I'm believing for you today. I'm believing there maybe there's just one thought pattern, maybe the most pressing one, and only you and God know what that are. I'm believing there's one thought pattern that God wants to change in you today. Just one. So let's pray, and then let's go to God's Word. Father, we love you today, God, and I thank you for your Word, God. I pray that as... Um, these lips of clay began to speak, God, what you've laid on my heart. God, I pray that you would just begin to build and increase our faith. God, as we hear your eternal word, God, for our temporary situation, Father God, I'm praying, God, that you're going to do a deep work in every person in Emerge Church today, those that are online, those that are in person. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. I can remember uh, Wade, and uh, there's a, a gentleman named Roy, and another gentleman named Randy and I were together. We were planning a prayer event at Roy Domain's house, I believe it was. And so we were there, and we were gathered in front of this guy Roy's fireplace, and we were throwing all kind of ideas out, and we knelt down to pray. And I can remember in that moment that God spoke to me something about Pastor Wade, and Cynthia. Um, I, had, I had been the pastor now for a couple of years and was building a good team. How many of you know, to have a great church, you have to have a great team? You have to have a great team. And I know Pastor Wade and Cynthia, they're putting together a, a, a great team here. And that's why, you know, that's why you're all here today. And so, up until that time, I, I, I knew in my heart, I mean, I'd been observing Wade and Cynthia, and um, Cynthia didn't really come from a church background, but I'd watched as she had gotten saved. They got married, and they were such an integral part of our team, and I mean, they were like really good. Really, you know that about them now, but they were like really good. Really good at what they did, really good with people. They were an asset to the house. And on my knees there in that moment, God spoke to me and said, Scott, if you will sow them like a seed, I'll give you more like them. And so what happened was something had to change in my thinking. Here's the tendency. We want to hold on to the good stuff in life. We want to hold on. We want to, we want to hoard it. We want to stockpile it. We want it for ourselves. But God changed the way that I thought in that moment. And I look out across this room and I see what the Lord has done. God has multiplied the seed that we planted. And I'll just tell you this. Your best years, I know it's 12 years, but your best years as a church are ahead of you. The next 12, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not a prophet, but I will prophesy this. Your next 12 years are going to look a lot different than the first 12 have. They're going to look a lot different. And that's why I need to talk to you about the fact that you've got to allow the Lord to change your thinking because your mind is where the battle is won. You say, Scott, how, how in the world is that? 
that my mind is where this, it's, it's a spiritual battle, isn't it? It's, it's in this idea of temptation or, or Bible reading or church attendance or doing all the Christian stuff. No, really the battle is won in the mind. And I want to share with you a couple of principles about you that you need to know about you. Um, that the, the, the Bible has shared, and if you, and I, I cannot encourage you to read your Bible as often as you can, every day if possible. Doesn't matter if you read a chapter or, or just a couple of verses. And I encourage you to read it for yourself. And, and, and let me just, I'm going to say this. I don't, I'm going to encourage you not to just read a devotional, but you read the Bible. Yeah. And let God speak to you. I, have, I, I, I believe I use devotionals, but that's kind of like a supplement. A supplement is no substitute for a healthy piece of chicken breast and some broccoli and some mashed taters. You need some meat. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you need some meat. So start reading the Bible. Um, you know, in the area of the country where we live, people are taught not to read the Bible. You leave that to the professionals. I don't know if that's the thinking here, but let me tell you this. You can understand God's Word, and God wants to talk to you. So here's the first principle I want to share with you. You are what you think and not what you do. You are what you think about yourself and not what you do. I take that from the book of Proverbs, chapter 23, verse 6 and 7. In the New King James, it says, uh, and this is, a, the Proverbs are telling a story. Do not eat the bread of a miser. A miser is a stingy person. Come on, don't, don't bump anybody right now. Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As the miser thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, this is what he will say, or this is what he will do. Oh, eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. See, he's a miser in his heart. I'm just going to give you a funny story. We, we do family night. I have four children, four grown children. Two of them are married. I've got three sons. I mean, three grown men that know how to eat, and then my daughter is bringing a grown man over now. So, so we do family night, and the other, the other day, Vanessa bought like, I don't know, like $50 worth of roast, and we cooked it. And those four men, plus me and Vanessa, they killed all, they killed all of that. And, you know, it's easy sometimes on family night. You want to say, hey, man, y'all just eat to your heart's content. But, you know, you know what mama's worst fear is that something, food's going to run out. Food's going to run out. And, and, and thank God, it was a good night, Tuesday night, everybody got full, and, and, and there was enough to eat. But, but the miser, the stingy person says this, he says, he says, oh, eat, eat all that you want. But that's not really what he means in his heart. And so a person may say something with their mouth, like eat all you want, or like, oh, we love, um, we, we love having you, we, we, you know, oh yeah, we love Jesus or whatever it is, when in their hearts they are believing something else. So I want you to know, the Bible says that you are who you think you are in your heart or what you think about in your heart. Here's the second principle. The second principle is, and I'm going to alter it a little bit from what's on the screen, is that you assume everyone else thinks like you. You just assume that. It, 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 how many married people I got here? Wave at me. Didn't, didn't you think the way you grew up was normal? And then when you got married, you told your spouse, God, you guys were messed up. 
Because you, because all you've ever known is the, is the home you grew up in and you thought you were normal. And then all of a sudden they come in and, and want to change things and doing it different. You're like, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Well, that is a spiritual principle. Titus chapter 1 verse 5 says, everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. In other words, if your heart's pure, when you see people, you just think everybody's heart's pure. They're doing it for the right reason. It says, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupted. And I'll tell you, so you've, you've hurt people. Or let me say it this way. Your opinion says more about you than whatever you have an opinion on. Your opinion says more about you. Have you heard people say, follow the money? Just, just follow the money. If you want to know, just follow the money. But you know what that tells me about them? They're very money conscious people. So if you're pure heart, if you're honest, you think everybody's honest. And you're like, I can't, you know. And so you do some honest thing. It may be dumb, but it's honest. And you're like, I can't believe, you know, they stole my bicycle or whatever. I just, I thought everybody in this town was honest as I am. But you, so I want you to remember that. You are who you think in your heart. And then you, you immediately or you automatically, you project who, what you believe onto every body else and you think that they're going to be the same way so our thinking determines almost everything about us what we are and what we do and whether or not we will overcome in our life with Christ and our our challenge is not to think like the family of origin that we came from but to allow God to change our thinking so that we have a kingdom mindset we got to have a kingdom mindset in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, this is what Paul wrote to the church there in Rome. He says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But, come on, say but. but. Let God, let God, let God transform you into a new person. Now, let me just ask you this question. How would you think or how are you expecting God to transform you? Man, you know, I need, a, I need this miraculous touch. I need to have a prophetic word. I, I, I need this. I need that. The, the Bible says here, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Changing the way you think. Then, come on, say then. Amen. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And you need to know that in verse 1 right there, um, Paul starts that chapter out by telling us that we need to offer our body as a living sacrifice. I've begun to do this um, in the morning times in my, my routine devotional time is say, Lord, I give you, you know, a living sacrifice. Most sacrifices, they, they died. If you read the Old Testament, they had to die. Their blood was used. But Paul says, God wants you and I to live and be a living sacrifice. And so I would just pray a prayer like this. God, I pray that I have your mind today. God, help me to see people the way you see people. God, use my hands to pull people up and to help people and to love people. God, I pray that you would direct my feet on your path today. God, let me hear what you have to say today. I want to be a living sacrifice. I, you know, I, I, I can see what I want to see, but God, I want to see what you see. 
And the Greek word for transform, it says let God transform you. The Greek word there for transform you is our English word metamorphosis. Let me take you back to your fifth or sixth grade science class where you saw the worm go into a cocoon and turn into a butterfly. That is the, that is the word metamorphosis. And I want you to think about this. God says, let me, let me change you. Let me, let me change everything about you. And the way I'm going to do it is by changing the way you think. I'm going to change you from a caterpillar crawling on the ground, crawling on the tree limbs. And, and I'm, I'm going to take you into this time of change. And when I change your thinking, you're going to come out and you're going to fly around like a butterfly. You're going to fly on the wind. You are going to be beautiful. In fact, my wife, Vanessa, her name means butterfly. That's what the name, if you name Vanessa, that's what, your, that's what your name means is butterfly. And so you can go from crawling, and, and a lot of times people come to church and it feels that way. I, I'm just grounded. I, I can't get off the ground. Well, you got to let God change the way you think. you got to let God change the way you think about things. Here's the science of it. Researchers say this, that you have about 80,000 thoughts in the course of a day. Every day, 80,000. Most of them are the same as yesterday. It's things like this. What am I going to wear? Where am I going to eat for lunch today? Is my wife mad at me? <laughs> now, here's the science of it. And, and I, I love it when the science catches up with the Bible. I believe in science, but, but I believe God first. And then the science typically is catching up, and it, it, it's confirming what God's Word already says. The science of our thoughts says that every time you think a thought, it creates a pathway in your brain. It's called in, in a neuron. And the more you think the thought, the deeper that pathway gets, and the more ingrained it becomes in your life. And so you can grow up thinking the wrong thing over and over and over and over and over in your life. And so you, here you are. You're at the 12-year anniversary of Emerge Church. And you might find that God, God's truth about you is different than what you've believed all your life. For years, scientists thought that, that our, our brains were, were set at birth and, and they couldn't change things. As the technology got better and they began to be able to look at these things, uh, like our thought patterns, the good news is that you can change your brain patterns. You can change the way that you think. Now, it's, look, it's great whenever, it's great whenever you're thinking the right kind of thoughts. And I'll just tell you a story from my own life as an example. I grew up in church. I was, I was in Sunday school. My dad was a Baptist pastor originally. And so I was in Sunday school. And then we had children's ministry at our church. And I grew up singing all of the kids' songs. You know, I may never march in the infantry. Right in the cavern, shoot the artillery. Yes, Jesus loves me. So if you know all those songs, you grew up in church. Here's the problem. I sang all the songs, but I did not. I did not have, I did not believe that God really loved me. 
It wasn't until I was a pastor, I was at a pastor's meeting, I don't even remember what year it was, and a man named Rick Shelton was ministering in Slidell, Louisiana. And there in that moment, God did a work in my life. And, and, and supernatural. this is the way I describe it. It felt like God stuck his hand in my chest and fixed my heart. And something changed in me that day. Now, I had sung all of the songs, but I didn't really think that God loved me. I thought, you know, because my story is this. I grew up in a pastor's home. I went to college and just went buck wild and, you know, came back to God. And, uh, you know, you, you know how you think. You think, well, I, I messed up too, too great. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 Verses 3 through 5 says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. Not worldly weapons. Worldly weapons are not going to work in a spiritual war. To knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy. Notice it didn't say God destroys. We destroy. Every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. You know that word stronghold there, it could, because it says, it says that we, um, it, it says, um, we knock down strongholds. A stronghold is a place in your life where the devil has caused you to believe a lie. You believe a lie is truth. And we're going to talk about some of those in just a moment. And God wants to come along using the word, using pastors, using small groups. I encourage you to get in an e-group. Using worship, using spiritual weapons, using God's mighty weapons to tear down strongholds of human reasoning. These are, these are the, the things that we have believed about ourselves over the years. God would never do that for me. I'm not smart enough, whatever it is. And Paul speaks here of, of tearing down these strongholds. And they're, they're things like identity lies. I don't have enough education. I'd like to do something for God, but I just I don't have enough education. Maybe they're performance lies. I have to be perfect. God couldn't use me because, you know, I haven't done everything in a perfect way and I messed up this week. And Maybe it's, it's the comparison lie. That person, that church, that business is doing it so much better than me. God must love them and there's obviously something wrong with me and I'm not doing a good job. Maybe it's this catastrophizing. It's all going to fall apart. The early part of my ministry, on Sunday mornings, I hated Sunday mornings, and I would say, this is the Sunday that it all crashes and burns. Abandoned. Maybe, maybe, maybe you suffer with these abandonment ideas, and maybe you have been abandoned. Maybe you went through a bad breakup, um, or, 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 or there was a problem. Maybe you had a, a parent that, that wasn't there for you, and, and you think, well, everybody, you know, everybody that loves me, they're going to leave me. 
See, these are the things nobody really talks about, but these are the underlying thoughts sometimes that have snuck into our spirit and into our life through the dysfunction, and many times it's the sin of others. I've seen this one in church, this, this, these perception lines. Everybody's watching me. Everybody's watching me. I feel like everybody is watching me. And so maybe you're not really free to worship the Lord. Let me just tell you, everybody's not watching you. Relational lies. I don't have anyone to talk to. Or I only attract unhealthy people. Why do I seem to attract losers? See, it's not true. And there are consequences when you believe a lie about yourself. Um, the, I like to call it the doom spiral. You just, you just circle lower and lower. We go very negative on ourselves. I, I find that most of the negativity most Christians experience, it's, it's them being negative about themselves. When Christ has done so much for us. I mean, you, if you, if you want to pick me up, read Psalms chapter 139 where the Bible talks about how many are God's thoughts about you. He thinks about you all the time. Some of you are wondering, I don't know. Does God even know where I'm at? I want to tell you this. He knows where you're at today. He knows that you're right here, and he knows where you're at in life. And my prayer is that he would confirm to you so you know that he knows where you're at. You, we carry guilt. We get paralyzed. We, get, we, we, we outthink ourselves and get paralyzed. And, and, and we, we know we need to do something, but we don't know what to do. We can disengage. And ultimately, let me tell you the devil's ultimate goal is to get you to quit. I want to read to you an amazing scripture in the Bible. This is one of the reasons why 12 years is significant. Because I can guarantee you over the 12 years that Wade and Cynthia planted Emerged Church, there have been some discouraging moments. Some of them we've talked about on the phone. In James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, the Bible says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance, come on, say endurance. Your endurance has a chance to grow. Come on. You know when your endurance grows is when your faith is being tested. And that's always what's being tested. The devil is after your faith. Your belief that God is good. That God loves me. That God has a plan and purpose for my life. That God wants to use me. That he wants to prosper my life. And he wants to bless me. And my best days are ahead of me, not behind me. James goes ahead and he says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed. I find this mind-boggling. I would not have said, if you'd asked me, what's the most important thing that you need to have to make it with God? I would have said maybe faith or some kind of miracle encounters. But he said, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete needing nothing. Wow, wow, wow. So I, now I know why my father 
taught me, Scott, don't ever quit. Don't ever quit. One time I was working for my dad at the church. I was a teenager, and it was a, a brutal summer Louisiana day, and I was working outside around a trash pile. And I said, Dad, I don't think I'm coming back after lunch. Man, it's too hot. And he looked at me, and he said, Scott, he said, if you quit on me right now, he said, you'll never work for me again. Needless to say, I came back after lunch. And he ended up turning the church over to me many years later. But here's what I want to encourage you with. Because I can guarantee some of you, the way you're thinking is going. You're thinking about quitting. Maybe you're thinking about quitting on your marriage. Maybe you're thinking about quitting on your dream. Maybe you're thinking about quitting on Christ. But I want you to know God's doing something. Even in the test, God's doing something. God's doing, God's developing some endurance in you. He's developing some, some toughness, some capacity, some ability. Because you're going to need it later. You're going to need it later. All those times I told Wade no. Whatever, it, well, I don't even remember what it was. But it was, it was it, because I saw something in him and I knew one day he was going to be a senior pastor. And, and, and if you're going to be a senior leader, you need to be tough. Tender-hearted, but tough. So how do I get the victory, Scott? Well, there's, there is spiritual warfare from a biblical perspective. I, I've been a part of, of spiritual warfare sessions where we had a sword and we're swinging a sword all over. It's a wonder we didn't cut somebody and hurt somebody. And I, I may do that again. I don't know. If, if, it's, if it feels right, I may do it again. But the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, we capture rebellious thoughts. Come on, you ever had a rebellious thought? I don't want to do that. We capture. You know, the key is grabbing the thought when it's just the thought. Because the way you think becomes the way you act. We capture rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. So identify the emotion. Is it fear? I've dealt with fear all of my life. I've gotten very good at identifying when I have the first thoughts of fear. And I'm like, all right. And I'm just going to use that as an example. There are many emotions, jealousy, envy. Um, you know, there's, there's depression, a bunch of different things. But the one I've dealt with over and over again in my life, and, and my fears were like, you'll never be as good as your dad. God will never do for you what he did for your dad. It was, it was, that was what I dealt with personally. And then you find a Bible verse that addresses that emotion or that thought. The Bible's full of them. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 is one of my favorites. It says, for God has not given, and I always say me, a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power and love and self-discipline. And so when, when it's, it's the moment that I experience the fear emotion, I've learned how to tell myself, that's not God. That's not God. Because the Bible says, God doesn't give us that kind of fear. I can't. It won't happen. Well, well what if it doesn't happen? That's 
not God. And so many times, so many times we give in to the emotion that the devil sends our way. But God says, you know what? It's not from God. God doesn't do this to his children. God has given me his Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of power and the spirit of love and of self-discipline. And, 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 and I, I began to say to myself, I, we can do this. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can love my wife for a lifetime. By the way, Vanessa and I, after a tough first two years, we will celebrate 33 years being married. Next week, this Wednesday, the 16th of this, oh, I'm sorry, it's Friday, this Friday. And uh, it's been, it's been, there was a time, these were the thoughts I were having. I was, I was saying, there's no way I can live 50 years like this. It's no way. And you know, the, the only out in the vows is death. Well, oh, all you married people, don't look at me like with that tone of voice. Like you never thought about that. We wanted to keep our vows. But I'll tell you what, God did something in our hearts. And uh, I'm looking forward to 50 and beyond with her. I, I really am. And then oftentimes what I have to do, as I'm dealing with fear, is I have to do the thing afraid. It's like the fear doesn't, the fear doesn't go away. Until I do the thing, step out in faith, and God proves himself faithful. And then I'm like, take that, devil. And that's what you are going to have to do as well. You may have to do it afraid. You may have to do it jealous. You may have to do it a little envious. You may have to do it. Um, a little depressed. Remember, remember, those emotions are temporary. Those emotions are temporary. And as you step through, as you step through, I've, I've learned this, that our, look, our emotions are real. They're real. We have them. They are real, but they're not often, they're not true. They're real. Don't, I mean, you know, God gave them to us for a reason. They really help us enjoy the great things in life in, in a phenomenal way. They're real, but they're not true many times. So we don't live by them. We live by faith. We live by faith. And so, Father, I pray for my friends here at Emerge Church. God, I, I just, God, I speak over this church and, and this group of people to those that are watching online over the next season of their church life. God, I'm, I pray in the name of Jesus that men and women are going to step through the curtain of emotions. God, they're going to they're gonna break through the strongholds of the past. Father God, they are going to step into a new season of effectiveness, a new season of faith, a new season of growth, in their hearts 
and in their lives. God, and, and I thank you, God. I, I, see, I see a church so expansive with energy that the gates of hell cannot withstand it. Oh, God, I thank you, God, that some of the most important things happening on a Sunday in this area are happening in other Bible-believing churches, but, God, it's happening right here in this building. And, God, the lives that are being changed in this house is going to change the course of history. Tallahassee, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I pray. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. Everybody cross the room, bow your head. Let me ask you this question. Where are you at with the Lord today? Are you where you need to be? Do you, are you in relationship with Him? Look, I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking you what your denominational affiliation is. Those things are great, but, but, but they but they themselves is not what Jesus is after. He's after a relationship with you. He wants you to know him, and he wants to know you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. And if you are not right with the Lord, I would love the privilege of praying for you and leading you in a prayer to invite Jesus to be a part of your life, just so I know who I'm praying for. That's you. Just, just stick your hand up. You can put it up, and you can put it right back down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yes, sir. God bless you. Anybody else in the house today say, you know what, Scott? Maybe you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe you're here today, and you just, you thought you messed up too bad. I'm telling you, God, the Holy Ghost is after you because he loves you. Come on, all across the room, out loud. This is for those who raised their hand. Say this out loud. Say, Jesus, today, I believe you gave your life in my place on the cross. And because of your sacrifice, I am forgiven. And right now, I invite you into my life. And Lord, I make the decision that I want to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen, amen, amen. We're so glad that you joined us for this message. If you would like to give to help us continue to reach more people, you can go to our website, merchchurch.com, and click on Give. We hope to see you at church this Sunday.